Welcome back to the post-game show on the podcast. Doug Landry, Bill Landis after Ohio State's 24-10 win over Wisconsin. Happy Halloween to all who celebrate. Landis, we weren't going to wear the costumes if they lost. So it was a little uh, shaky there in the third quarter, right? Yeah, I mean, even if, when it was 17-10, I was going to message you, like, costumes or no? And then Travion Henderson yeah. saved this. I, I, yeah. I think two touchdowns is, is costume territory. We would not want uh, Bill's new mullet and uh, my old Mickey Mouse onesie to go to waste. Uh, we're not going to talk about Halloween, though. I thought the Halloween segment that uh, NBC did was too long. I don't care what those people looked like when they were kids trick-or-treating. We want to start with the best thing from this Ohio State win. We want to note that Ohio State, in its three competitive games this year, they beat Notre Dame 17-14, they beat Penn State 20-12, and now they beat Wisconsin 24 to 10, and they all count the same as if they won 100 to nothing. So th this is one of those where I, I do think clearly with this team against good opponents, nobody is in the business of critiquing the how, right? I mean, Ryan Day never is, but I think a, most of the fans, Landis, don't you think they've reached that point where you take a win like this against a solid football team in a tough place to play and run home 8-0? After the fact, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dur during it, not so much, which which is understandable. But yeah, I, I think I think after a nice two touchdown cushion, um, you can certainly and and could could approach it that way, and, and I think probably should approach it that way for now. It doesn't mean it's not worth diving into and dissecting some things. Yeah, Ohio State favored by fourteen and a half. They won by fourteen. Like in a lot of ways, th this is not a shock how this played out. I don't know that anybody thought Ohio State was going to drop 45 on Wisconsin in this game, but we like to start with what did you like? And I know what you liked is something that you sent out to our texters late in the game, which is you believe this was potentially the best game Trevion Henderson has ever played as a Buckeye. Yeah, I, I think it was. Like now, now that it's over, a little more time to think about it. I think there's only really one other game you'd put up there in, in competition with it. And it's the game he had against Penn state as a true freshman back in 2021, when he rushed for 152 yards and a game that was uh, fa fairly close there too. They wanted at home. Um, he has had more rushing yards. He had 270 against Tulsa as a freshman. This uh, goes as his second largest rushing total, 162 yards on 24 carries and a touchdown. Uh, he adds four receptions for 45 yards on top of that. So I and like they needed every bit of it in, yeah. in this game. And he iced it with a long touchdown, 33 yards, which I thought was a fantastic run that showed good vision, good patience, good balance and his explosiveness. Like he looked fresh after three games off, which you would expect. But then he played like the difference maker that I think everyone hopes he can be for this offense. So. So, yeah, I'm, I'm like firmly there. I think this was the best game he's played. Ryan Day said in the postgame that Mecca Buka was close and they decided not to go with him. Trevion Henderson, by all accounts, has been close for several weeks now. But if this is the end result, it's like, well, you know, you, you waited and you got that. 24 carries for 162 yards. This is just the second time in their careers after coming in together in the same recruiting class Marvin Harrison Jr. has 100 receiving yards in the same game where Travion Henderson has 100 rushing yards. The other was against Michigan State last year, and that wasn't that much of a game. Like a game like this, we, we had said, right, Marv, Stover, plus the defense, and it's over. This is sort of like defense, Marvin, Trey, get out of the way. Like, right, that, again, you don't – I don't think you need incredibly balanced offense. I don't think you – need necessarily consistent offense this is not a team with a real high success rate right there 
it is about sort of in big moments, getting plays from big guys. It's very difficult with Trevion Henderson, Landis. Like you never want to take him for granted, but on the other hand, I it's just mostly an injury conversation. It's sort of hard to count on him too. But man, is this a reminder? It's like okay, if there was, I, I was kind of at the point where like, no, I think just Marv might be enough. And it's like, yeah. oh, okay, well, if it's Marv catching it and Travion running it, that really might be enough. Like that combo. What do you think of that combo moving forward for Ohio State if they can keep it on the field? I think it's really hard to stop uh, an elite passing attack and, and a rushing attack that, that keeps you honest. And they were talking a little bit about that during the broadcast. Like when Ohio State runs the ball well, they're really hard to defend because then they get the play-action pass game going. You're caught in between. Do I load the box? Do I not load the box? And if we do load the box, we got to figure out Marv. If we don't load the box, then we got to figure out how to stop this run game. Like it's what good offenses do. They, they, they find a little bit of balance or, or maybe not even balance explosiveness both ways which i which i think they they certainly had in the running game at, at times tonight um probably didn't have enough of it in the passing game but yeah this is this is what it needs to look like probably moving forward because i just you know i, I don't i don't know that they're ever going to hit that gear where they're throwing six passing touchdowns a game like we've seen in the past so so i think this is more or less what it needs to be 24 carries for travion 12 of them went for three yards or fewer 12 of them went for more than that. And the ones that went for th- four yards or more, there was a, a nine yarder in the first, his first rush of the game went for nine. There was a 10 yarder in the first half as well. But in the second half, there's a 25 yard run. There's a 12 yard run and there's the 30 yard touchdown run. And I do think has everybody come around on if Travion's going to be your guy, there are going to be times when you hand him the ball and on first and 10, he gets a yard. Mm-hmm. Or on second and six, he gets minus two, but that it's worth it because the 30 yarders coming, the 60 yard touchdown against Notre Dame is coming. I can, I have a terrible memory, but there's games last year. Wasn't the what was the, the touchdown run tonight reminded me of a touchdown run late in the game last was Penn, year. Was it Penn State last year? Was it Penn State last year? Yeah. That like right when it's like, oh my gosh, this game is in the balance. It's like, no, it's not. Trevor, he, he ends games. Is that maybe it's not if you were if you were drawing up the perfect running back, maybe that's not what you would draw up, but you take what you have. And is this offense at a point where it can handle the the two yard, the minus one yard that you're going to get every now and then? Because you can almost count on the fact that a big game breaking run is out there if you just keep trying. Yeah, pr- probably. Like you said, it's it's maybe not the the ideal situation, or, or certainly the the desired most desired one. But I think given what they have available to them in the running back room, coupled with the fact that they clearly don't want to play Dallin Hayden because um, yep. he didn't touch the ball today. Um, yeah, I think I think that's probably what they've settled on, and that, I don't necessarily think that's wrong, right? I've I've settled along that Travion must have a place in this offense, regardless of who it is getting the most touches at, at running back, but. I'm also at the point now where if that guy's not going to be Dallin Hayden, like at all, then this is probably where I'd be most happy. Yeah. Can you take us through, can we talk about the touchdown run? Because again, like we, mm-hmm. we, we've vowed here, we've learned our lesson since another damn thing. Like, yeah, they do everything perfect. No. Are there people in the comments probably upset with the, some of the plays Kyle McCord made? Yeah. But that run at the end, the way they blocked that up, I think we have to talk about the fact that Marvin Harrison Jr. and Julian Fleming both made blocks on secondary players to allow Trevion to finish it off. 
but the offensive line was moving people. And I, it felt like Trey not only hit one hole, but also sort of hit a second hole because you can see the cutback land and he hits that. It's like, Oh, if he just hits that, it's like a nice 11 yard gain, mm-hmm. but then he sees the escape hatch and then he's out the door for the touchdown. Like wh- how did that work? Why did that work? What did that tell you? So one of my main frustrations, I think, with Travion Henderson has been his just sort of insistence on hitting everything wide. Like if it's a wide zone play, it's going wide no matter what. And where you've seen guys like Dallin Hayden and earlier this year, Chip Trainum, I think, excel more on those kind of runs is when they let all that get washed down and then hit the cutback lane. And that's where this run play really takes off. That's what like Trey Sermon was doing in the last three games of the 2020 seasons what J.K. Dobbins did really well. And Travion, just for whatever reason, doesn't always see that, doesn't feel comfortable with doing it. I don't know what it is, but he did it on that play. Um, he, he cut it back at kind of against the grain of, of that outside zone play. And then read a pretty good block down the field from, I think it was Josh Fryer. He kind of like cut off the back end of Josh Fryer, made a little little juke to his left and found that escape hatch that you're talking about and turned an 11-yard run into a 33-yard touchdown. And that's what he does, right? I think I think any other running back in Ohio State's room can make the initial read that Travion made and make that an 11-yard gain. I don't know that anyone else in that room can turn that into a touchdown the way that Travion did. I think that's why it reminded me of the one last year because last the one last year he hit inside too. It just whenever he hits something inside, we know what he looks like when he gets to the edge, mm-hmm. right? When he sees when he has that vision inside, uh, it's so valuable to the offense. And I liked like the second level vision he had there. Like it wasn't it almost like wasn't there initially, but he knew it was going to open up, you know. And again. Um, Julian and Marv did their job, right? I mean, it's just Julian Fleming is such an, an, an interesting spot. He had a, a deep ball that he probably could have caught mm-hmm. tonight. He clearly was battling something with his shoulder that, that seemed like it certainly influenced that. But that guy blocks, man. Doesn't that guy block? And it's like, hey, what happens when you block? I don't know. A, a receiver blocks a safety and a 12-yard run turns into a 30-yard touchdown. Yeah, I mean, he's he's excellent at it. I think he's been really good at it all year. Um, I'm sure people can can pick out a, a time or two where maybe he missed a block, and the expectation is be perfect in all of your perimeter blocks. Then then that, that's a high bar to clear, I suppose. But I, but I think he, I mean, there was a time, and maybe this has changed now, but there was a time earlier this year where they had played a couple of games and Julian Fleming was their highest graded run blocker, which I think tells you probably all you need to know about the impact that he has on, on the offense. If they could get some other guys blocking as, as consistently as he does and this run game might really take off for the people who are listening on a podcast and are not watching on youtube you look good in a mullet have yeah, you I feel considered pretty good. this i feel pretty great yeah it's hot like this is i don't i don't even think it looks like a costume anymore i've already we're 11 minutes into the show i've forgotten this isn't how you look every yeah. day I, could you wear this tuesday I think I could. I wore it um, earlier today in my house, and my dog barked at me because she didn't recognize me. I was a different shape with this mullet on my head. What's your baby? Is your baby yeah. like your mullet? Uh, he looked at me pretty confused. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Travion, like that Travion, and here's the interesting thing about this offense, right? If we're if we're coming around on the idea, 2002, 2002 against Notre Dame, uh, it was they had a, a, a three point lead entering the fourth quarter and they wind up having to win the game on the last play of the game. And they win by three. They have a four point lead going into the fourth quarter against Penn state. They pull away. They win by eight. They have a seven point lead tonight. They put it away. Win by 14. This is a a team that, that is built, I think to, to play close games. We have plenty of time to talk about Rutgers, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know if they're going to blow Rutgers out, honestly, like the way Rutgers plays defense. And like, that's fine. I think, do we think everybody is there? Because here's the thing. And again, Emeka didn't play tonight. And Emeka was the guy who, who Emeka and Trey, as we talked about before, put away the Notre Dame game. If you have three guys, healthy Emeka, obviously Marvin, obviously Trey when he's like this, mm -hmm. when he's healthy. You have three guys capable of putting an opponent away every time they touch the ball. And that's the team that you take into the fourth quarter. Regardless of how you've looked, that exists. I think that exists like as long as they're reasonably healthy, even if the offense looks kind of terrible, I think they have three guys who have a chance to put a team away. So when you have a defense that is not going to let an opponent get away, and, and it's just an unusual team. It's kind of it's like a low-scoring team that features <laughs> incredibly talented five-star recruits and future NFL stars who just aren't putting up 40, right? But I had the Washington game on on my second TV while I'm watching this Ohio State game, Washington barely won. Washington's chucking the ball around. Their defense can't stop anybody. Second week in a row, I thought Washington would bounce back. They didn't bounce back from anything. And there were times where I thought, I think Ohio State fans have thought, oh, man, kind of wish Ohio State played like Washington. You don't now. <laughs> not right now. Not complimentary football. Not across the board. You wouldn't want to be Washington. You'd want to be Ohio State. Kalen DeBoer would kill for this Ohio State defense. So now this formula, because it's different than so many defensive teams, it's a defensive team with a bunch of NFL guys who can go off at any second. That's a, It's an almost odd formula, but man, could work. It, it, is, it is a weird formula that I do think like changes the tenor of games like that the mere the mere threat of ohio state's explosiveness on offense and, and we've certainly seen it right we've saw we've even saw it at points today like they had a fair amount of passing plays that went for like between 15 and 30 yards like that i think that is explosiveness or just on 70 yard touchdowns i i feel like the teams play them like they like that's always in the back of their mind and it should be like that that's what that's what makes ohio state i think different as as a team that wins probably I don't want to say more with defense, although maybe maybe that's fair by this point. Um, compared to some other teams that are like defense first or like ball controlly kind of teams, like that that explosive threat, I think, is a game changer for Ohio State. And it's not the the problem is like when you. It's not that they don't score every time they have the ball; it's that they don't score when they should. Like that is like they're they're still giving up or leaving too many points on the field, even if they're not the we're going to score it every time we get the ball in our hands kind of Ryan Day offense we've seen in the past. Like They still need to maximize some of these opportunities. There, there certainly are things for Ohio State fans to be frustrated about, but let's stay on one more thing we like mm -hmm. before we get into that, and let's continue to talk about this defense. Uh, Wisconsin was limited to 259 total yards. Wisconsin was six of sixteen on third down, which is which is pretty decent. But they, you know, they were obviously limited. Braden Locke, their backup quarterback, was eighteen of thirty nine for one sixty five. They lose their starting running back, Braylon Allen, who doesn't play at all in the second half. He went ten for fifty in the first half, and then I think people know that uh, Ches Malusi, who was their backup running back and like would start for a fair amount of Big Ten teams, had already was lost for the season many weeks ago. So they're playing their backup quarterback, and they're down to their third string running back, who goes for nine for thirty four in the second half. But the fact remains, Landis, that you know another team 
couldn't do much against Ohio State. And I just don't think after last year, anyone should let that slide by. Holding anybody to 10, this is a borderline top 25 team. We, we know what's wrong with Wisconsin, but they're competent. Holding them to 10 is pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, the the end of the first half, like what Braylon Allen put the ball on the floor twice in this game, turned it over in a brutal way on, on Wisconsin's first possession of the game. He did not have a tremendous game before he ended up leaving due to injury. He is a hard guy to tackle. He's a hard guy to keep out of the end zone when he gets ahead of steam inside the five-yard line. And he had three touches from the two and didn't score at the end of the half when Ohio State ended up holding Wisconsin to a field goal. Now, they got a little bit of, I don't know, good luck or whatever when when the guy's knee was on the ground and what looked like a walk-in yeah. touchdown. But that was also like kind of a bad throw that, I don't know, maybe maybe Ohio State should get some credit for for forcing Braylon Luck, in, Braylon Luck into. Um but to meet Braylon Allen at basically at the goal line three times to keep him out of the end zone, I thought was among the more impressive stands I've seen from this defense in the last few years. And and it helped change the game, right? That mm-hmm. is a that is a huge I mean, that was a really good call by Wisconsin to flip that little pass. I mean, it definitely worked, but it's also one of those things, it's like now it's like Woody Hayes. When you throw, it's like, oh, if only his knee wouldn't have been down. It's like, guess what? That that can happen when you throw because you're mm-hmm. trying to you're trying to get it out fast. If it's low, the guy's knee might be down. That's that's baked into the equation. Uh, so if you're going to try to do that, you have to make sure you don't. So it's not just like dumb luck. But I do think um, this defense. There's just again, there are splash plays with this team, right? There was uh, like Lathan Ransom had the run blitz late in the game. That was like, gosh, that was awesome. And I thought there was a play where Mike Hall destroyed a guy in the backfield, and then they they zoomed in on him and showed the replay, and he just beat the center in a nanosecond mm-hmm. and, and was, like, practically in the backfield with the handoff. And there are just – now, the difference with the defense is it, it's not like – I don't think that – the defense is doing its job, right, most of the time, not giving up big plays – and then maybe even if you move the ball, those splash plays defensively are coming. I think too. Jordan Hancock had a beeline on a ball. He he was a you know a half step from a pick six maybe late in this game. They do have these playmakers, but they don't have to make they don't make plays every every snap. But every now and then, Mike Hall just destroys a dude, and all of a sudden it's a loss of three like that. Do, do you think that's what this defense is too? It's, like, it's again, it's a very odd team. It's a bend but don't break defense. That also get splash plays from future NFL guys like six times a game, which again is kind of an odd formula, but it's working for them. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't. I, the bend but don't break is something I maybe would have said about them three weeks ago. I don't. I don't know that I'm feeling that much now. I, I think ten. Yeah, ten is not a lot of bending, I guess, huh? Well, yeah, and it's what do they have per play? Uh, Wisconsin averaged four yards per play. Like you said, they were only six. Like I, I actually don't like six of 16 on third down is, is not particularly good. Um, like, I think that's fine. And a couple of those were later in the game, I think. So um, whereas in the, a couple of games, it felt like teams were like moving the ball between the twenties on them and ultimately stalling out. Like I, that hasn't happened in the last two weeks. So I think they've, I don't want to say they turned a corner. Maybe it's just the nature of the offenses that the offenses that they've played. But I do feel like they're being more aggressive, keeping teams behind the sticks a little a little better than they were earlier in the year. Not giving up a lot of third and shorts that help sustain drives. And then yeah, they are capable of making these splash plays. I, I think at all three levels of the defense, um, linebacker probably 
is, is a little bit of a distant third there compared to the defensive line and, and the secondary, but I think they get it at all three levels. Wisconsin gets the field goal when, again, the goal line stand. Wisconsin gets a field goal on their last drive of the first half, but it but it's like a win for Ohio State, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like a, Wisconsin carries a ton of momentum into halftime because Ohio State held them to three. Then Wisconsin does come out. Their only two scores were, like, back-to-back, and the first half start the second half. That drive start the second half, seven plays, 75 yards for a touchdown, but then to end the game, punt, 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 Stop them on downs, stop them on downs when Wisconsin was like forced in that situation. Like again, so that drive, Wisconsin comes out, you know, lock runs. They they hit a little bit of stuff. Yeah, they hit that one pass where there were like two missed tackles in the secondary, which is not right. something we've seen a whole lot of. Yeah. Yeah. Denzel missed a tackle early. Again, that was a little unusual. It's like, okay, well, that's one. But again, even that wasn't a touchdown. Like it, it wasn't a 75 yeah. yard play, even though that was a big play. But then three straight punts after that, because that's when it was like, okay, this might be the, I, should we call it like a bend, can't wear your mullet defense, right? <laughs> that's when it's like, when they score that touchdown, you're maybe putting the mullet back in the box. And then the next three drives, they force them to punt. Three and out, 10 plays, 45 yards, but force them to punt. And then another three and out, Landis. So like right when it felt like Wisconsin got back in it, the defense stopped them. Can you ask Jim Knowles on Tuesday whether or not he's comfortable being a, a bend, but you can wear your mullet defense? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you wore this mullet Tuesday, I think the Jim Knowles news conference would end with Jim Knowles wearing your mullet. <laughs> I think that's how good he feels right now about how this defense is playing. Well, I guess that's worth uh, testing out then. I'll bring it with yeah. me on Tuesday. Yeah. But like, Tuesday like is a- Halloween, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, it's trick or treat on Tuesday night. Yeah. That that like that's the point where okay, it's like that's a bat, right? Everyone talks about that. That's why you defer so you can have the ball at the end of the first half, then get the ball again at the beginning of the second half. It works perfectly for Wisconsin, yep. but then they shut it down. So if this wasn't a good defense, that touchdown, that only touchdown drive for Wisconsin would have led to something, but it didn't lead to anything. Now again, maybe yeah. because they were on their third running back and their second quarterback, but the bottom line is it didn't lead to anything. That was it which I think is has been true of this defense all year. Like th- things don't lead to other things. Things mm-hmm. happen within the course of a game because it's football and you don't win every single down and every single possession. But whether it's like a big play within a drive, which have been rare anyway, I don't think they typically let those snowball. And then when a team does string a drive together, um, it usually doesn't lead to sustaining much of anything. At least it hasn't so, so far this year. So, and, and I just – there were times last year when I felt like that that was true of last year's defense, but certainly the the snowball effect happened at the end of the year where they just kept giving up big plays and big plays and big plays. Like they just they haven't done it yet this year. And if you're in the back of your mind saying, "Well, yeah, well they haven't really played anybody capable of doing it," like I I, I think that's fair, right? I, I don't I don't know that we're ready to you know label this defense as fully past all of the things that where it's undoing last year until it starts playing some of those teams that, that ultimately got them for it. But um, I think it's okay to kind of savor the fact now that this defense is, is pretty steady and doesn't let things um, build up on them. So let's talk about a couple of specifics with the defense. Then it was stuff we were, you know, I'm sure everybody was noting during the game. They had a dime look that we haven't seen a ton of when Wisconsin, I think was put in like four real receivers on the field together. And Ohio state answers with, Denzel Burke, Davison Igbignosin, Jordan Hancock, and then the fourth cover guy is Cam Martinez. Mm-hmm. And then at least once when they ran that look, 
They had four defensive linemen, two linebackers, and a single safety deep, I think, with Sonny Styles. Yep. Another time they ran that look, it was with three defensive linemen, two linebackers, and they had two safeties on the field. And Lathan Ransom was on the field, but they brought Lathan up, I think, and blitzed him, like brought him as a fourth guy. Um, we haven't seen that a ton. I think we maybe, we maybe were a little surprised that if they're going to a fourth, like a fourth cover guy in that situation, that it is Cameron Martinez. I know he's kind of next up in that slot position, but I don't know. I, I thought maybe there might be other guys they go to there. It was weird because there were there were times prior to that where Josh Proctor wasn't on the field and Sonny Styles was playing for him. And up until this game, I, I don't I don't think they started the year this way because I do think there was a game or two earlier in the year where Cam Martinez was a part of the dime package. But then lately it's been the three starting safeties, Josh Proctor, Lathan Ransom, Sonny Styles, plus Jordan Hancock in the two corners, Davis Nicobinosin and Denzel Burke. Like your I think your clear six best defensive backs being on the field. And I don't know, like, I guess it's worth asking, like, is something up with Josh Proctor that you weren't playing him on every defensive snap? Because it was odd to me that Cam Martinez was out there and then Wisconsin targeted him on a third and 13 play where the guy was wide open and Cam was kind of nowhere near him. Um, I just, like, I don't know. I, I don't want to rag on a guy, I guess, but I, I feel like Cam Martinez is giving up a lot of those plays more than he is stopping them. So, I, I, yeah, I was pretty surprised that he was out there. Yeah, just some unusual stuff. We, I mean, Josh Proctor... Has Josh Proctor been off the field for anything that mattered in the no, last month before, tonight? before today? No. Yeah. So that was that was a little hard uh, to get our heads around. And it's also um, a little like Sonny as the deep guy, right? As the mm -hmm. lone deep safety is also, again, I was asking Sonny Styles on Wednesday, like, do you think he'll be a linebacker one day? He's like, yeah, maybe. I'm kind of big. And he, you know, he was talking about how he's just, he's really comfortable when he's required to be down in the box you know, and then it's the coverage stuff that he's still getting adjusted to. And then we wind up in that world where, where Sonny Styles is kind of your last line of defense on a passing down. I, I'm not doubting that he can do that, but it's just, it's not what we expect. It's, it's sort of an interesting alignment. And, you know, if that's what they come out with on third and 13 against Michigan and it doesn't work, like everyone's really going to be noting it. So I'm curious how they'll continue to work out that look. Yeah. My, my thought that I sent to the texters was, and I'm, I'm assuming it has something to do with Josh Proctor, but let's, I guess, for the sake of, of my point, say that it's it wasn't that. What is so threatening about Wisconsin that you suddenly felt like you needed to change that up? Because it, it's just it's just a weird time and place, I think, to put a guy who's struggled almost every time you put him out there in a spot, and then he ends up giving up a completion on a drive that ultimately ends with a field goal, I guess. So, so maybe it's not the worst thing in the world, but... Um, just more puzzling than anything. Like now, suddenly, the maybe the first thing I want to ask Jim Knowles about when we talk to him on Tuesday is why that was the case. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, not a lot of teams like Ohio State never does it. They never put four actual receivers on the field. So I don't know if it's just their response to that. I mean, I, you know, when Ohio State goes like that, this they have a tight end and a running back out wide mm -hmm. when they go empty. They never have four real receivers on the field. I don't know how many teams do that. Right. That's do you feel like there's a lot of college? I don't know, I guess Washington does it. Do you feel like there's a lot of college teams that are it's like again, I guess it's part of this air raid. Wisconsin has four receivers on the field. It's the new Wisconsin. But yeah, is it just that response? I I, I suppose, but no, I, that would be sound logic, I guess, but it doesn't explain 
taking Josh Proctor off the field. <laughs> yeah, like that would that would oh, explain right. to me taking Sonny Styles off the field, but not Josh Proctor. No, I know, but like everybody, we, yeah. we want Sonny to be on the field. So like Sonny's on the field, and now we're like, why was Sonny on the field? And it's like I don't know because no, it's good. it's it's, but it's, pure, it's it's purely why was Cam Martinez on the field? <laughs> on the field. No, that's true. <laughs> Remember when they were doing the stuff and like Pete Warner was dropping back as the deep safety on some plays, and everybody mm-hmm. we were like, what? Yeah. It's like, it's the bullet, man. It's just life with the bullet. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else about the defense you really want to cover specifically? You know, JT was in there blowing up some plays. It's like for a moment there, it felt like JT might be hurt. Then it seemed like he was fine. Um, what else about the D? Um, well, we got to talk about Lathan Ransom, right? Getting hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that did not look great. That was a non-contact. He pulled up immediately on the sideline. Austin told us, and I know they talked about it someone on the TV broadcast. Austin told us they kind of carted him toward the locker room and put him in a wheelchair and took him yeah. to the back. And he and he did he did come back out without his helmet on. But um any kind of non-contact injury is is not a great thing to see, but uh what appeared to be a lower leg one, I think. Um, you know, and I, I don't want to speculate on what that is, but we'll, but I doesn't feel like it's a great situation for him. What happens if that if he can't play? What do you think they do there? I'm I would guess that Sonny moves to the bandit position because like you maybe Jihad Carter, but he got hurt last week on a special teams play against Penn State. wasn't available this week. was on crutches at their practice on Wednesday. So maybe he's a guy that you would look at there if he's healthy enough to play, and then you can keep Sonny like kind of in his nickel role. Um, but I think unless you, yeah, I think it's, I think it's sunny or if you want to go back to Malik Hartford, maybe, um, who I don't think we saw out there today at all, unless he was on special teams. But I think those would be your top two guys that play bandit in, in place of Latham. All right. So the defense did its job once again. I, I do want to have a, a minor bit of a playoff discussion here. I think a lot of people know that the first playoff rankings will come out. Oh, on a, on Halloween, on Halloween, on Tuesday evening, uh, NBC did their little like uh, group playoff rankings, and I, I don't know if they're trying to horn in on Kings of the North or if we just give them credit. They had Georgia fifth. I was like, wow, oh, yeah. that is some hot northern action. <laughs> but they all, they also had Ohio State first, and you know, it's not anybody. Everybody has the same analysis of the playoff <clears throat> right now. We've been watching them do this. This is the ninth year of seeing how they operate. We know the deal, um, but do you think Ohio State has as good of a claim to number one as anybody right now? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I I don't know that I'm at the point where I'd be surprised if they weren't number one because there's enough to get into there with like I don't know game control stuff if you want to if you want to boil it down kind of that minutely um, if you're the playoff committee. But yeah, I th- I think they have. Two good wins helped out by Penn State not losing to Indiana <laughs> earlier yeah. on Saturday. Um, Notre Dame destroyed Pitt. So, like, the the last thing these people will be thinking about Notre Dame is, is them running Pitt off the field. Um, so, yes, I think they have the, the strongest case. Oklahoma lost. Um, Georgia hasn't beaten anybody. Michigan hasn't beaten anybody. Yeah, Washington Was- has not looked good for the last Washington hasn't looked good. Yeah, so I think so. Washington has a great win, but has not looked good. Um, I even think like this win, like this win count, you know, this is something, this is another that, and that, that two of their three biggest wins are on the road, right? Again, I mean, for whatever Wisconsin isn't, you know, they're a competitive football team, right? Mm-hmm. So that they, they will take that into account. We'll have time to talk about this before we get to Tuesday night, but while you have your mullet on, I'll ask for a prediction. Where will Ohio state be ranked on Tuesday night? I think they will be 
Hmm. I think there'll be two and Georgia will be one. So Georgia looked pretty good again today. Like yeah. they've gone back and forth. It's like, you know, we were complaining a couple weeks ago that it's like Kentucky beats a bunch of nobodies and then it just sets them up that when Georgia beats Kentucky, everybody's supposed to go nuts. And then Georgia didn't play well again. And then they kind of handled their business against Florida today. Not that Florida is great. Um, as much as Ohio State, I would say Ohio State has three wins better than any Georgia win. Is that fair to say? Is this Wisconsin win better than any Georgia win? I think maybe. I guess yeah. I can look it up. I think it is. Yeah, I think so. But but I still don't know if that's a if that's enough to carry the day. Georgia's best win so far, I guess the only ranked win is Kentucky, which lost to, which lost again today to Tennessee. Yeah. It's two and three in the SEC, five and three Kentucky is their only ranked win. They beat South Carolina, who's two and six. Their SEC wins are against two and six South Carolina, four and four Auburn, five and three Kentucky, and two and seven Vanderbilt, and five and th- they haven't beaten anybody. Ohio State's going to be number one. You can't say Georgia. You can't sit here in that mullet and say Georgia to me. It's not. It's not who I would pick. You just ask me who I think. I know, yeah, I would. I would pick Ohio State. Yeah. I think it's too stark. I think it's too stark. I actually think I'll pick Ohio State. I think it'll be Ohio State, Georgia, Florida State, Michigan. No Washington. Washington's just Washington looks problematic. I know, the Oregon wins really good because Oregon beat beat Utah senseless today, mm-hmm. but they've got the loss. So, and I do think, don't you think in that room, there's going to be 13 people who are like, well, you know, Michigan, they have some stuff going on, right? It's, and it's not, you yeah. can't even say it out loud. They can't talk about that, but it's in your head. And in a tiebreaker, you're like, who are we going to get the tiebreaker to? Like, well, you Georgia or Michigan, Florida state or Michigan. I think they lose every tiebreaker while this stuff is happening. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And there's certainly, you know, there's opportunity for even more to come out about that between now and when they pick those teams. Yeah. Yeah. I do. So I think Ohio State will either be one or two because um, like if they just go full resume, if they go full resume, Ohio State's clearly one because they're they're ahead of Florida State on that. They're clearly one if they really just value that. And if they try to, you know, take other things into account and Georgia sneaks past, but I don't know how anybody else would get past them. So there'll be one or two. Okay. I make one more point on defense before we move on to something else. Yeah. I just wanted to. Shout out Hero Canoe, man, for making an incredible play. Yeah, on, he was, was in a, there. a second down, second down run play when the game is like still in the balance and Wisconsin is quasi threatening to drive to possibly tie the game or, or cut into the lead. He just like totally shut down a second down run by himself. And I was surprised to see him in there. Um, but he looked like he belonged. That's like the second time I think this year that Hero Canoe has been put in a game in a big spot and like actually kind of made a play. Um, so I'm just like, I'm. I wanted to shout him out, but also they need another guy, I think, to step up on the defensive line just to like play 10 snaps a game where you don't feel like you're going to be at a disadvantage. And maybe he's that guy. Um, so that was that was noteworthy to me. There's have been some nice little flashes for Ohio State this year. Carnell Tate, Jermaine Matthews, Sonny Styles, who's more than a flash, but like Hero Canoe, like there's there's some stuff. It, it's some good young depth uh, that is probably good. They don't need it more often, but they've had some guys who haven't played much who, when they've been called upon, have been pretty good. So, uh, all right, let's talk about Kyle McCord. Uh, 
Yep. And people are not happy in a lot of ways, as we can see in our YouTube comments here. We will do a Monday show with our tech subscriber comments and questions. We'll come back with the podcast daily on Monday morning. Bill and I will do that. We don't have the ability to do that um, tonight. But if you want to be a tech subscriber, 614-662-4509. Sign up for a two-week free trial. So, you know, we see we see everybody uh, in our YouTube comments here, and we'll take this into account. The first pick is going to keep Ryan Day up until the Michigan game, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's bad. So it's it was just a a youngish, an inexperienced quarterback, better than young. You're in a third year, but you haven't played. You haven't been a starter for a full year yet. An inexperienced quarterback rolling to his right, sort of drifting to his right, and then throwing a pick on the right sideline. So it reminded me, sort of, of the C.J. Stroud pick against Oregon in week two in 2021. So then I went back and watched that play, and then it didn't remind me of it at all. <laughs> so CJ Stroud, it's obviously it's late in the game. It's not a rollout. If he gets pressured and escapes to the right, he's trying to make a play. This was a planned rollout from a court. He knew he was going to be rolling to his right on this play. CJ Stroud, it's third and 18. He's got to do something, right? This is first and goal. Kyle McCord has all day. There's no pressure on this at all. CJ Stroud's losing. Kyle McCord's ahead. CJ Stroud's in start two. Kyle McCord's, this is game eight of this season. So all that this was the same as it was an Ohio State quarterback <laughs> moving to his right. You said it right. Chuck it in the stands. And the fact that he didn't chuck it in the stands, again, it's not the throw. It's the eyes and the brain and the what were you seeing that made you think you should make that throw that I think Ryan Day and Kyle McCord are going to have a four-hour conversation about that throw because Ryan Day has got to figure that out and make sure he does not do that again this season. I just don't. I I don't really get the because he's what's he, he's got to have f- at least five intentional grounding penalties this year, and all, almost all of them are just like carelessly throwing the ball away because he felt like he was under pressure, didn't have anywhere to get rid of the ball. And then in that moment where he has nowhere to go with the ball, he just rifles it in the coverage in the end zone. Like I don't, I don't understand that. Um, both are bad, but they don't. They both don't like kind of sync up with to me for some, for some reason. Um, yeah, that was. That's the kind of play where, like, uh, clearly at this point, they w- it wouldn't happen. And Devin Brown was injured in this game, so he wasn't available anyway. But that to me felt like the kind of play that if Kyle McCord did that, like in the first three games of the season, Ryan Day would have pulled him out of the game immediately and put Devin yeah. Brown in the game. Um, that was like a, I don't inexper- I, I don't think we should probably use an experience for Kyle McCord anymore. Um, but even if we want to be nice and do that for him, I don't, a guy in his first start can't make that decision. Like that was that was an incredibly bad decision. Yeah, and like to be able to try to talk through like what what did you see what like what's the thought process there and again in a situation and and we'll talk about we're just gonna end up talking about comic court in a bunch of different ways i thought the run that he got hurt on was great yeah awesome it was a third down run and you and i had kind of been talking at times during the year about kyle running being decisive you know, when to go, when to not go. And I asked Kyle about that. And he was saying that you sort of have to know almost before the snap 
you know your play, you know the coverage you're expecting, you know, okay, if this, if the first read is covered, maybe, you know, the second read, at what point in that play, at what point in the progression against the, 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 the look that you're getting, when do you decide to go? And for a third down run there, it was, I thought it was the exact right time. It was decisive. He didn't slide. He dove like he put his body on the line to make sure he got it right. And it really mattered in the game. And like, just like that kind of like, that was a great decision. And it's just that Ryan day cares. So much. it's all he it's decision-making, 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 not that he's different than any other coach, but that's what the, that's the whole position. Because if you could just get the ball out to Marvin and Mecca when he's healthy and Cade Stover, who wasn't targeted tonight and handed off to Trebion, like a lot of, you know, there's enough times when good things will happen. And, you know, when you, when Kyle makes the right decisions, man, oh man, like this thing can really work. And so they, they just have to almost get him, especially in tight games. You just have to go like almost a hundred percent on your decision-making. Sometimes you'll sail a ball, Right. Sometimes mm-hmm. a ball will be tipped. I even thought the second pick, and we don't have to go into it yet. The second pick, he just doesn't see the guy. He doesn't read that in the zone, right? But like the first, the first one, I think that play, it had to, there had to be moments in practice when that play worked out exactly how, how that happened, right? Where it was covered that way, and then you chuck it in the stands. So yeah, it's just all about the decision making. It, it is. And it, it, uh, that play, especially too, because it was such a deep drop and rollout. It's not like, oh, yeah. there's there's nothing there. Let me, let me pull it down and run for a little bit. Like he would have had to run 12 yards just to get back to the line of scrimmage with the way that that play was designed. So you're outside of the pocket. There's receivers down the field. Just throw it as hard as you possibly can over their heads, three rows in the stands, and, and live the play on second down. And at the very least, make sure that that drive ends with points, right? Like that's, you can't, yeah. you can't be getting that close to the end zone and, not getting away with points and you certainly can't be throwing picks like that on like if it's fourth down and like you're going for it and you got to do something no right. problem with it right the, his pick against uh notre dame didn't have much of a problem with it even though i think it was a great throw it's like it's fourth down what are you supposed to do um this is first down man <laughs> there, there's no there's absolutely no need to try to force that ball in there um I, I don't know what well, I'm sure he'll get asked about it after the game and Ryan day will too. So I'll be curious what the line of thinking was there, at least the explanation, but you don't want your now eight games or nine games, I guess under his belt starting quarterback to be doing stuff like that. What did you think of the second pick? I actually thought it was a really good play, but that defensive back <laughs> yeah. um, who it was a Ricardo Holman. Is that his name? Yeah. Who's yeah. Marv some trouble early. He's a really good player who has, I think, I don't know if he's been Wisconsin's best defensive player this year, um, but he's probably like in the top three or four. And that was a play where they kind of tried to run a clear out, I think with Carnell Tate, just kind of down the seam and take that DB with him. And it seemed like he kind of felt that he saw Marv coming across on, on the, I guess it was a, a dig route. Um, Kind of a, just just an inbreaking route, and it's Ohio State's trying to hit Marvin a lot of those this year. And I, I thought that guy made a really good play, or at least showed really good awareness to put himself in the right spot. And Kyle just didn't see him, and that's not. I'm not letting Kyle off the hook when I say that the guy made a good play because I think there have been other times this year where Kyle has not seen things particularly well, and and he didn't see it on that play. But that was not like that was. F- not really like an egregious mistake. I think certainly not the way that I the same way that I view the first one. That was just kind of like you're trying to set them up for something and, and they end up setting you up and kind of flip it on you. 
So Kyle McCord was 17 of 26 for 226 yards, two touchdowns, two picks, and then the fourth down fumble that did go down as a fumble. Um, that's the, the the third turnover for him. C.J. Stroud had two multi-pick games in his career. Justin Fields had three multi-pick games in his career. So guys have games like this, right? I mean, like that Nebraska game um, for C.J. was just mm. kind of a wonky game sometimes. And, and I do think, you know, early on, Wisconsin did a pretty good job of making it difficult to get the ball to Marvin Harrison Jr., they clearly did you th- what did you think of like Cade was just a non-factor was that them just keeping him in blocking did Wisconsin do something to take him away or did it just not happen uh, I, I want to go look at because PFF will break that down for you I, I won't be able to see it till Sunday like how often he did stay in on on passing snaps because it did felt like he was in there more than he normally is I think last week against Penn State like he was hardly in at all on passing snaps um I and there were times where they would show the reverse angle where I thought like they were doing a pretty good job covering him and perhaps even like rotating their coverage to him. Like, are we, are we in a world where teams are like scheming, yeah. scheming up to take Kate Stover away from Kyle McCord? Yeah. Welcome. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to uh, the world of putting up big numbers and all of a sudden being part of the game plan. Uh, 10 targets to Marvin Harrison jr. For six catches. Five targets to Travion Henderson for four catches. Three targets to Julian Fleming, two catches. Two targets to G. Scott for two catches. Two targets to Chip Trainer for two catches. One to Carnell Tate uh, for one catch. Checkdowns to Trey, right? Which, again, that's Mm – they'll take that, right? Like, that's part of – because it didn't feel – it wasn't necessarily screens or a a million things designed for Travion. It's like, okay, there's nothing there. Take Trey, and he'll go get something for you. If this is get, like the version of Kyle McCord, it's like whatever you do, never throw a pick like that again. If that involves a healthy amount of checkdowns, I think this offense is okay with that too. I think so. And a lot of those were on shot plays. Like it's not that like Ohio State was trying to be aggressive throwing the ball. And we don't get to see those routes developed on the field when we're watching it on television. Although I th- I think had guys been running open deep and Kyle McCord was not throwing and then throwing it to them, Todd Blackledge, Blackledge would have said so. And usually we'll get a replay or two of, of that when it's happening. So I'm I'm going to assume that Kyle wasn't being uh, a little gun shy on the, on those plays and i think was just kind of making the right decision when when the deep throw wasn't there and then taking the check down the travion or or chip um chip made a great play on one of them by oh. the way that they cut the ball like three yards behind the line of scrimmage made a cut lowered a shoulder kept the drive alive and like both both touchdown drives um or i guess yeah both touchdown drives uh chip made incredible plays that third down play but then on the first touchdown drive he had a great blitz pickup on a completion to g scott jr where if he doesn't pick up that blitz kyle mccord is getting sacked which in this world might mean it's a fumble but uh, but at least it is knocking the drive off schedule and that drive got to stay on schedule and they scored at the end so i thought chip didn't like run it all over them but i thought um he had that huge catch and this was maybe his best game as a blocker both as a pass protector and on some of those outside hitting runs with xavier johnson he was crushing people so i want to get to the offensive line but as we kind of finish up kyle here for now like i just i is anybody expecting him to get to cj justin like elite ohio state quarterback level like this year i don't think anybody is certainly the people in the youtube comments are not that is 
is, is it okay for everyone to like sort of let go of that? I don't even know if it's an expectation, but maybe a hope, right? CJ, by the end of his first year as a starter, was a Heisman finalist. Kyle's not going to be a Heisman finalist. Nope. But like, so we're like, we're letting that go, right? That's, that's out, that's out the door. So now we're at don't make mistakes. Take checkdowns. Let's have, uh, hopefully Ohio State has a game plan for their sake that schemes open. Marvin Harrison Jr. Emeka Buka is going to come back at some point, and you're going to have Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Buka, Cade Stover, and Trevion Henderson on the field together, which is four guys that defenses have to worry about. And so manage the game. Kyle, right? Is that yeah. is that where we are? And and by the way, you have a top five, maybe better defense to lean on on the other side. We're probably there. And it was interesting to me that Ryan Day at halftime was asked about Kyle McCord turning the ball over and what he will tell him. And I, if it wasn't the first thing out of his mouth, it was the second thing he said, manage the game. Yeah. So I don't know what that looks like. I don't, I don't, I don't think Ryan Day is ever going to operate in a world where he's not letting his quarterback take some chances and really throw the ball down the field. And, and it's not like, I don't, I don't think we're at the point where we like take all that away from Kyle, but um, whether it's his own doing or being coached to do it, he's, he's got to play more under control early in games because thus far his erratic play in the first half has not cost Ohio state a game, but you still worry about it happening. And you're right that it's probably, I don't know, unrealistic, I I guess I would say, to to expect him to expect every single Ohio State quarterback to be like as good as Justin and CJ and Dwayne were. But it's not unfair to expect the quarterback to get better over the course of eight games. And I don't know that Kyle's done that. So let me ask this. Does he need to get better for them to win the national title? He needs to win with this version. No, not not tonight's version. So take away the turnovers, right? He doesn't make the first throw. Let's, right? Take away the turnovers, and he gets a little better with it. You know, there's some of the looseness again, like the Penn State thing, right? I mean, is his worst play of the game against Penn State happened to come on a play where Penn State committed a penalty, and mm-hmm. it was linked, but also, you know, he's got that in him a little bit. Like this version of Kyle McCord limiting turnovers, but otherwise playing like this. Yes, you're saying no. This, uh, this level would not get them all the way there. If you're going to tell me he's going to limit turnovers, and I think I would say yes, I'm. I'm terrified anytime someone gets near him in the pocket because his ball security is terrible. His ball security is bad. I mean, it's one of those Braden Locke. You know what Braden Locke loves to do? Throw the ball out of bounds. Yeah. That guy was like, screen's not there. Bang, right at someone's feet. I'm rolling out. There's nobody open over the bench. That And that's not a criticism. So it almost feels like, is the first half like Kyle time? Kyle's like, hey. Heisman's still in range. Watch this. <laughs> and then when it doesn't work, Ryan's like game manager time. Kyle's like, okay. okay yeah. And then and then we get that. And then the defense shuts them down and everybody's good to go. Yeah, I guess maybe I would say like what I think what we've seen out of Kyle McCord in the second half of most games is good enough for okay. Ohio State. Yeah, I think maybe it's how I say it. I mean, really, I almost everyone in the comments is like, well, if you take away the turnovers, of course it's fun. If I, right, right. It's like you say, well, if you take away the good runs, you only average one yard per carry. You take yeah. away the bad plays, you were a Heisman candidate. I get it. But like the, the just take away the first one. The first turnover is so egregious. The first turnover is so egregious and is so like you cannot do that. Take that away. 
then that's points. It's a different game. Like almost like just take that away. And I think maybe, I think maybe it's good enough. What did you think of the Fleming deep ball? Uh, I thought I, I, I'm okay. I guess living in the world where any ball that hits the hands or body of an Ohio state receiver in a catchable way, you probably should catch it. Like that's the standard I think of, of that room. Um, I thought he threw the ball to the wrong shoulder and late and behind and forced Julian Fleming to like contort his body to catch a ball, like sort of like by his armpit while he was still running forward. And then also put that ball in a position where he invited the safety back into the play that could then crush Julian as he like dropped that ball and it hit the ground. So I did not think that was, uh, it wasn't an A ball. It was probably like a B minus ball. But yeah, I guess a B minus ball should probably still be caught. Is is we don't always have the YouTube comments on because we're looking at texture stuff. Are the YouTube comments always like this? I don't know. I don't look at them. Yeah, I think yeah. I'm going to turn them off. Like, yeah. here's the point. The point is not like defending Kyle McCord. The, the point is like this is where they are. Can they win like this? And and it's one of those things. Do you want do you want to talk about how Ohio State can win? or not win, or do we want to like judge every single player individually? Right. So they absolutely have guys on this team, like who are not doing their job to the Ohio state standard and compared to Ohio state quarterbacks of the past, this is not up to the Ohio state standard, but the defense is much better. Marv's nuts. Cade uh -huh. is the most productive tight end that like, I don't know in a, in a while here and Travion when he's healthy, can do some stuff like the, the parts that are good. I think have a chance to lead the parts that are okay. As long as the parts that are okay, aren't bad. As long as the parts that are okay, aren't making multiple losing plays. So, I mean, people, you, you can get caught up. If you want to get caught up in McCord sucks or whatever, like feel free, but I don't like I, that. I'm not sure that conversation is going to end. I think the conversation we're on to is what is the minimum level of play? What are the mistakes you can't make? What are the ways this team can function this undefeated team, by the way, and have a chance to win a national title. And in the past, we're so, aren't we accustomed Landis to the quarterback leading the way? This is not a quarterback lead the way situation. No. So, so now it's like, okay, then what is it? And I think that's the conversation worth having. And then the off season conversation is, can Kyle McCord get better, right? What can this be like in a world where Marvin's gone, right? All those things. Mm. But you do happen to have, yeah, it'd be, if CJ Stroud had stayed, they'd score 50 points a game and they'd, they'd win every game by 30 points. But there's an ebb and flow to everything. So he didn't stay, but guess what? In a world where you're breaking in a new starter at quarterback, who maybe, I don't know, but so far, he wouldn't be a first-round pick tomorrow. I don't think he'd be a first round pick at the end of the year. Maybe is not as is not playing at the same level that CJ Stroud and Justin Fields played at at the end of their first year as starters. Same for Dwayne Haskins. Mm. But he happens to be throwing to three real dudes, handing it to a real dude, and playing with a real defense. So let's talk about what is actually happening and whether that can work. That's what I'm interested in. Isn't that what isn't is like you can wish for things? And you can complain. You can complain about all the individual pieces, or you can try to figure out can this team win a national title, which I think they can, 
with this Kyle McCord as long as he doesn't throw that first pick. I'm not excusing every single bad play because we got to talk about the intentional groundings because there's something I want to talk about there. Mm -hmm. Don't make the back-breaking, what are you doing, inexcusable. Most quarterbacks wouldn't throw that pick. Don't make that play. And then I think they've got a real shot. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with that. I I think the the frus- the frustration just enters the mind when you probably assume that he's going to do that at the worst possible moment when the stakes are the highest. And and I guess he hasn't done that yet to this point, right? He didn't do it. I guess he almost did it against Notre Dame, but he didn't. He ended up not doing it against Notre yeah. Dame. Um, didn't do it against Penn State because they got some help with a with a penalty call there. That was the right call. Um, so yeah, like I I I think that you are correct. But I also don't, I guess, um, fault anybody if they're living in the world of like, I'm not, I, I, it's hard for me to wrap my arms around that idea because I don't want to set myself up for uh, disappointment when that play comes at the wrong time. Yeah. No, I, I, it's it's an interesting conversation. It's just like, is the quarterback good enough? It's not the number one conversation. It's, is the team good enough, right? Mm-hmm. And the quarterback's part of that, but the quarterback, I think this year is not as much a part of that as it normally is, right? And that's because the quarterback is not playing up to the standard and also because just the defense is that much better. This is not 2021 where when CJ wasn't playing, where it was like, what are they going to do? And then what they were going to do is lose to Oregon. If this, if Kyle McCord, and so this is, if we're just going to play like compare Ohio state quarterbacks, if Kyle McCord had the 2021 defense, they might have three losses. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. So, if we want to say like Kyle McCord in year one as a starter is not as good as CJ Stroud was in year one as a starter. Okay. I agree. Or we could say defense is playing great. So like they're both true. It's just like, well, which conversation do we want to have more? I think they'd at least have two losses. If they have that, there's no way they beat Notre Dame with the 2021 defense. No, no. And I don't think as bad as Drew Aller and that Penn state passing attack looked, I think they might have figured it out against the 2021 defense, right? Maybe. I mean, that Oregon offense was not not especially good, but they figured Anthony out the Anthony Brown, one- man, <laughs> Anthony Brown. They figured out the one play that worked a few times and won the game with it. Yeah, yeah. that would have been the sound. Can Can Mike Yersich and James Franklin figure out one play that works? <laughs> Just one play. It's a high bar. Let's talk about the intentional groundings because I thought the last intentional grounding when he's hurt, he's hurt. They bring six. Okay. I think they brought seven, actually. Matt Jones and Chip Trainum ended up blocking the same guy, and Carson mm. Hinsman and Donovan Jackson ended up blocking the same guy. So two guys came completely free, right? Mm-hmm. And he's hurt. He almost like he was kind of walking like a guy on stilts on that play. He's like backpedaling and he's like, my, my ankle's not functioning. I'm not sure what he's supposed to do in some of these situations. He's had some bad intentional groundings. He's also had some, my offensive line got absolutely smoked intentional groundings and one's on him and one's not. Yeah. I, so I, th- I thought on that play and they showed the ISO cam a few times, like Marvel's one-on-one and one like immediately. And it would have been a back foot, chuck it up prayer to Marvin. But I think I'm okay with that, especially when it's in single coverage. And he like, in I've a never... world where he's thrown two picks. 
I think he might yeah. be out of back foot, chuck it up territory at that. Well, point. he threw it. That that was the Marv's touchdown. First touch, second touchdown was was one of those plays. Um, yeah, I'm I'm okay with that in a word where he's throwing two picks because the thing that he always says is like if I'm if I look out there and Marv's got single coverage, I'm throwing the ball to him. I thought they were in his face right away though. You thought he could have gotten it out. They were in his face right away for sure. Like I said, it would have taken a back foot prayer, but I think a back foot prayer is better than a let me try to. Th- spike this ball out of the defender's feet i thought it was a fumble can i know so uh, clearly the defender tipped it and you asked in our slack like if the defender tips it then does that mean it can't be a backwards pass i thought it was a backwards pass that was tipped backwards mm-hmm. i didn't think it was a forward pass that was tipped backwards i thought it was backwards i like slowed it down and look at the yard marker and his yard marker with i thought the ball landed like significantly behind him and i think it was headed that way i thought they got incredibly lucky on that call so that's he does. There are moments where it feels like he's just like trying to get rid of it. It's a little hot potato at times, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's it's great. it's not uh, it's not great. It's it's like, like that. I mean, and that plays tough, right? In fairness, he has two guys basically he's running hurt. running he's, free at him, and he's that, hurt. And that but, moment, he's as hurt as he was the whole game. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. And and maybe like. I don't. I don't. I can't remember what they called on that play. Like, can you can you call can you call a slant? Can you call, can you call something yeah, a little a right. little quicker hitting than something that would have required him? I think to hold on to the ball for probably at least two seconds. Um, it did seem like too like once it was pretty clear that he like could hardly move. Um, that Wisconsin started coming after him a little more. Yeah, which is not what's good coaching. That's what I would do too. Were you making Tristan Jebbia Cardell Jones comparisons in your head at that point? No, I wasn't going that far. Um, I th- I I thought after because before they like called a timeout and he came to the sideline and he said like to Ryan Day like I can't something and like pointed to his foot, which I'm assuming was like I can't put weight on this, I can't run, I can't feel my foot. One of those things. Yeah. Um, I was actually a little surprised they put him back in there. I think maybe if Devin Brown was healthy, they wouldn't have probably. But yeah. But also, Jebby is just like a very interesting case. There's a part of me, again, this guy's a seventh-year college player who has started at Oregon State. And if you just like kept it to the basics, there's a part of me that thinks like he could probably run it, right? That it's just like, get it out, get it to Marv. If it's not there, throw it out of bounds. I, I don't know that it would be non-functional. I don't I'm not think... calling for a quarterback change, by the way. Okay. You, you were pursing... <laughs> You were stroking your mullet in a manner of like, what is Doug saying here? Yeah, I mean, I I, I won't pretend to have enough Tristan Jebbia knowledge to emphatically say what he can and cannot do in this offense. I think he's he is veteran enough to to manage it if put in a, put no position. Yeah, which I yeah. think he could have. I think he could have done enough to make sure you left Madison with a win. Yeah. Do you think next week's important for Kyle? Like, is there something in particular that you want to see out of him? I've all year I've wanted to see him operate with more urgency because he doesn't. Um, okay. He just like I said this last week, like to Berm in our Monday rewatch, and I probably got a little too fired up about it. Like he took a sack with his foot on the one yard line. Like he just doesn't, he doesn't have like awareness. Like I don't just to say that, not that he doesn't have awareness, but like his awareness seems to slip at, at very inopportune times. And and doesn't like seem to have a great feel for the pocket all the time. Um, and it like it would just worry me if I'm an Ohio State fan. Like I, I think you're 
well within your rights to be and, and probably justified to be worried about some of it because it's not it's not even the missing the throws that he sometimes misses it's just like when he's in the pocket and like it's clearly breaking down around him he's just like <clears throat> excuse me he's just standing there not holding the ball <laughs> in a particularly secure way and then it gets like knocked out of his hands and i don't know one of these days it's going to get picked up and returned for a touchdown like that would terrify me yeah we've gone from kyle mccool after the notre dame game to kyle too cool like he's that's what you're saying he's yeah. too cool under pressure it's like oh, four guys coming right at me yeah there's like a very there's a very fine line between like i'm gonna hang in here and i'm gonna survey the field and i know there's stuff happening around me but i'm not gonna let it phase my process and i'm gonna make the right decision to get the ball out and also just like being totally aloof <laughs> in the pocket and like tr- truly unaware of what is happening around you in a way that is precarious. Ha- that's uh, there's a question for day on Tuesday in there, isn't there? Yeah, I think there has to be like almost too calm in the pocket with that as things are going wrong. All right, let's talk about the offensive line. Fryer got smoked at least once. Yeah. Uh, how are they doing? Same, I guess. I, I don't, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of what they've been all year. Like, I don't think pass protection is an issue for them on every single snap, but when it looks bad, it looks bad. Yeah. Um, and they probably there there are there are more one on one losses than I think we're accustomed to seeing at the tackle position. And frankly, they're probably coming a little more from Josh Fryer at the moment than they are from Josh Simmons. If we're going to be fair to fair to Josh Simmons, so um, I think Fryer's been like decent for a, a chunk of the year, but um, did not have. Uh, had some of his maybe uh, worst moments of the season in the in this game, and the one where he got smoked, you noted this like right off the bat, and you can see it on the replay. Right there's a blitzer inside of him that takes his attention for a nanosecond, and then he's late getting outside over the guy because then that blitzer backs off. And but then there's all other times when there you know there are free blitzers get through a couple times a game, mm-hmm. usually on them. Um, it, it does feel like there still are moments in pass protection where they're not exactly a hundred percent in tune with what their responsibilities are. And the result is, you know, as we again, that play I mentioned earlier, it's like, there's two guys end up on one guy and somebody else runs free. And even beyond the times where it's like, it's like, even that with Fryer, right. It's not just a physical loss. Like the physical, whoop, oh, well, that guy just destroyed me. Like we said, Mike Hall destroyed the Wisconsin Center on a snap. Is that happening all that much, or is it typically it's something in what they see that affects their process, and then that's when they get beat? Yeah, I don't – you mean just like a guy lining up across from me, it's four down, no blitz, and like they're getting their butt whooped? Like I don't yeah. – I don't, I don't, no, I don't think that happens actually all that often. I, I was waiting for that to happen last week against Penn State, and it, it happened – Yeah maybe once right um no i thought that that the the first one that we're talking about with josh fire i actually thought they had three guys there one dropped immediately one like took a step forward and i think drew josh's attention and then ran with travion henderson on the wheel route which is where i tried i think they were trying to go with that play because when they came back i think the next drive on a third down they ran the same play to travion and he was wide open um but Josh's eyes were on that and one of the inside guys and then the outside guy beat him. I, I, I think it's that. I, I think it's that's probably the same with some of the stuff I see at center too with Carson Hinsman. I, I think yeah. it's more just like twists and stunts and blitzes and bluffs like can get them 
mixed up a little bit. I, I think that's true of probably most offensive linemen, right? That those are the things that are most difficult to deal with. I just maybe maybe the breakdowns against those kind of looks are, are showing up a little more than they have previously. But I don't I don't know that like I I felt like the offensive line like took a step back today. I just think this is kind of par for the course of what we've seen from them for most of the year. Special teams still an issue at times. The pump punt return was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, that was probably it, right? Like Jesse Merco, I think actually punted pretty well in this game. Um, a couple inside the 10 that were big. Uh, like a big return at a bad time. Big return at a bad time where the defense stood up. I think that was a, what, a 42 yard punt return that I think set Wisconsin up at the Ohio state 36, if I'm not mistaken. And then that drive was four plays, zero yards, missed field goal for Wisconsin. So like the defense answered the bell there, but yeah, you don't want to be giving teams that kind of field position. Yeah. 35 yard punt return. Mirko four punts, 37.8 yard average, three out of four inside the 20. That's pretty and at good. least two, at least two inside the 10. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I, we, we need to talk about Marv to, to wrap this up. He, had come in, I think, 13, 13, 16 on targets. The last three games, he has 10 tonight, four straight double-digit target games, six catches, 123 yards, two touchdowns. And the thing in the end, all the stuff that we talked about, and we, it's what everybody had on their minds before the season, what you and I talked about before the season. It's a combination of a, a new starting quarterback who was in a competition that went into the season and an offensive line with three new starters and two tackle spots that were as uncertain as Ohio state's been at the tackle spot in two decades. And the, the thing that you fear the most in that is those issues prevent you from utilizing the best receiver in the game. So we are talking about a game where they did have issues with both of those things, mm -hmm. but they still managed to utilize the best receiver in the game. Six catches, two of them for touchdowns like that. That's the defining get me, get, get them to the game where Marv's a non-factor because every time Kyle tries to throw to him, he misses him. You know, they had a couple miscommunications early that it maybe felt like, uh Oh, is this going to be one of those games or get to a game where they can't block it up to even let the passing game function in any real way. That's not the case. Even on a night like tonight that wasn't great, that's not the case. They let they gave Marv enough chances to change the game. And in the end, like that's the number one bottom line, I think. Yeah, no, I, I think so too. And I, I was I wondered that like we talked before the year, but like what's the statistical production gonna be? It was like, well, probably less because he doesn't have CJ Stroud throwing the ball anymore, but you were fearful that it could be like substantially less because of you no know, CJ Stroud and whatever the offensive line was going to look like. And Frankly, like the beginning of the year, maybe you were maybe a little worried about that, right? After the Indiana game and didn't really go off in the Notre Dame game, although he did get hurt in that game. But lately he's looked like what we've expected all year. So as as long as they're living in that world, and and I think they will be, especially if they're getting Travion back and Kate Stover will be more of a factor than he was today in most games. And Emeka Buka has some gravity to him that I think will will pull some attention away from Marvin at times. Like I, th I think they're okay. It's not always going to look pretty. Uh, you know, the road getting there. But I, th I think as long as they have that option available to them, they're better off than most teams. Everybody's like, it's time to have the Marv Heisman conversation. Hmm. We're talking about it. We'll start it. It's like, no, everybody started it. Like, right. Everyone's having it. 
He's yeah. down to 12 to one right now. The odds I just oh, really? that. So again, like almost who's like ahead of him. So the updated odds uh, on DraftKings, as I look right now, Michael Penix is up. So he was like at minus odds at one point mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. Michael Penix plus 280, J.J. McCarthy plus 300, Jaden Daniels from LSU. He's not going to win. Plus 400. Bo Nix plus 600, a good game today against a good Utah defense. Jordan Travis, Florida State plus 700, good game today for Jordan Travis. And Marv at plus 1,200. And then then it goes to 25 to 1. So it's like a six-man race at the moment, according to the odds. And, like, everybody thinks it now. Um like that opportunity to be able at the first touchdown similar to the last touchdown yeah. to the touchdown last week again, which is the, the line has to hold up enough for him to run all the way across the field. And they did a good job early on. Like that Hallman guy, the guy who had the pick was doing a pretty good job on Marvin. And then they started putting him in positions to get different matchups and they got a matchup there. He, the guy never had a chance. He was trailing Marv all the way across the field. Wisconsin didn't adjust. Nobody else picked up any coverage. And, it's a credit to the offense for finding a way to do the number one thing they have to do, which is utilize his skills. Credit to Marv for making the play, but a credit to the offensive line and to Kyle McCord for doing what had to be done on that play to make it possible. You just have to make it possible. And then Marvin Harrison Jr. will handle the rest. And the same thing was the second touchdown. Was it the world's greatest throw? I don't know. Did you get you give him a shot? And I do think Kyle's done a decent job. You mentioned that earlier. Just make sure that you're giving Marvin enough plays. Make it possible. And he'll make something happen a pretty good chunk of the time. Yeah, the first touchdown was mesh. Um, and the, the linebacker in the middle of the field decided he was just going to truck Kate Stover and yeah, knock him that. to the ground instead of, I don't know, playing defense. And then He's like, just, my like, guy didn't catch it. My yeah. guy had zero catches today. <laughs> so, so Junior's running yeah, by. Marvin's running with nobody around him. Um, they should probably do more of that kind of stuff. They don't they don't run mesh a whole lot. It's a maybe a byproduct of some of the coverage they see, but I think I think more like quick game in general is probably good for everybody. They also ran this is not part of the Marv conversation, but I'm just reminded of it. They ran like an RPO kind of slant slash glance to Carnell Tate earlier in the game, like a second really level nice. RPO that we've not seen them do a whole lot of. I think Kyle like throws the his best ball on like intermediate slant routes. Um, I don't know. That what, was pretty well covered. Yeah. And it he put really, it right in the right spot. Was, and Carnell was, made a great catch. It was a great throw. Yeah. But anyway, back to Marv. Um, his second touchdown, I, I believe he was in the slot and it was like a slot fade i think um against i'm assuming whoever wisconsin's nickelback is maybe it was even a safety so they're still being intentional about that which is good um he's great man like i I don't they're doing a good like i I guess that's one area where i I would give ryan day and i guess like brian hartline anybody else who's involved with the credit like they're doing a good job of making sure that they're scheming stuff up for marv to make sure he's getting the ball especially after not doing so enough, I think, earlier in the year. like the, It's necessary, I think, for this offense especially. It's not like last year. Last year, maybe you didn't worry about how open guys were because CJ was going to put it on them wherever they were, and I think the level to which they are open is much more important right now with Kyle McCord, quarterback, but they're doing a good job of, of scheming some of that stuff up, especially for Marv. You want to talk about the Big Ten West? you think that's what everybody's been waiting for? Breakdown of uh, the Big Ten West race. Mm. Let's do did, it anyway. Minnesota, Minnesota, uh, Nebraska did win. Yeah. Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Nebraska are all three and two. 
Northwestern's two and three after beating Maryland. Purdue and Illinois are one and four. So I don't know. Like there's four teams tied at three and two. We're not going to like go through tiebreaker scenarios, but anybody could win that. And I actually think Nebraska, like Nebraska might have the easiest schedule. So everybody who's tied at three and two, like controls their own destiny. If you go so if you go win all your games and go seven and two, you're going to be fine, but they all have to bang heads against each other. Um, Tanner Mordecai for Wisconsin, I think could the, the way they were talking, like he might be back by the end of this year. I don't know. Braylon Allen was on the sideline in a walking boot by the end of the game. Like a, a t- I'm not sure. I'm not so sure. Braden Locke isn't playing a little better than Tanner Mordecai was playing because he was making mistakes. Wasn't he yeah. making mistakes for them earlier in the year? Yeah, he was. Um, some not. I wouldn't say like a lot of picks, but you know enough that you noticed. And you know it gets easier in in Indianapolis than it does at Camp Randall. But you know that's what it's going to be. I mean, we know. Thank God it's dying. <laughs> like that division, just like kill that division. Just don't make it Iowa. Can just like just, I, nobody wants to see Iowa. No, nobody wants to see Iowa. Matt Rule, Nebraska, Luke Fickle, Wisconsin. Hey, PJ Fleck. Well, let's just not Iowa, please. So um, the West is a mess to nobody's surprise. And and did you have what did you try to did you take anything into the Ohio State Wisconsin game after watching Penn State almost lose? Like, hey, that was a slobber knocker. Everybody's gonna be worn down. Watch out, Ohio. Like, I Penn State got pretty lucky to the end, man, against a not not a very good team. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't know that I thought anything differently. I, I I kind of assumed that Ohio State would be feeling some effects from the Penn State game, like both physically and, and just coming down from, from a from a big win. I don't like <clears throat> I think it's dangerous in college football to put f- too much stake too much stock, excuse me, into individual game results like that like yeah weird things happen in college football and like there's a lot of variance and teams end up winning games by closer margins than you think they should or or, like almost lose games and then like the next week they'll come out and win by 40 and the the only i don't know that's like the the world you live in when there's 18 to 22 year olds playing this game and not adults in the nfl so like i don't Penn State didn't look particularly good they pulled the game out but i didn't i i guess what like i didn't watch that and then think to myself like oh let me rethink everything that happened for Ohio yeah. State last week. Yeah, and then in the end, I, I just don't think anybody was supremely surprised by the way this game shook down, right? Like, it's not about our picks, but we were all, like, right around this range, right? Like a 14 to 17, maybe 20-point win, but, like, not a blowout. Ohio State not scoring in the 40s. Uh, and, you know, clearly Ohio State could have had more points. Wisconsin could have had more points. But I think where this settled at 24 to 10 is probably about right. And I think it's, in the end, reflective of where both teams are. It's unfortunate, right? You'd love to see Emeka Book out there. You'd love to see Braylon Allen be able to finish the game. You'd love Wisconsin to be able to go their backup running back instead of their third string running back. But this is also where we are. And this is where teams get separated. And, and I do think like Ohio state's depth at certain positions has shown up pretty well this year. And like they've managed, mm-hmm. we have to sort of keep in mind, you know, the stuff that hasn't looked great between the Notre Dame game and this game, like Trevin Henderson wasn't out there, man, you know? And it's like, like that, this was a reminder. Think about, Think about how the Notre Dame and Wisconsin games would have gone if they didn't have Trevor Henderson for those games. Yeah. So just put them on the shelf until Michigan and then get ready to roll, right? <laughs> I guess. Uh, so that there's 
There's three games between now and Michigan. How many games has Dallin Hayden played? Can you like run out the, his yeah, remaining eligibility before before but while still preserving that red shirt, of course. Which is like Sonny yeah. Styles wasn't out there for a snap, and I was like, are they red shirting Sonny Styles? Yeah. What are they, what are they doing? Yeah. Who are they, are they red shirting Josh Proctor? Yeah. I think is there like and I'm not I guess I'm not saying this like as as a rebuttal to anything you said, but you said like Ohio State should have had more points, Wisconsin should have had more points. Wisconsin turned a touchdown into a field goal yeah ohio ohio state like had four times it should have scored and didn't score like it's not even like they settled for something worse than a touchdown it's like they should have had four more scoring opportunities that they they kind of bungled yeah wisconsin probably should have had 14 ohio state probably should have had 38 yeah so all right that'll wrap it up sunday Buckeye Q. Sunday the the it's the awesome Sunday. Have that? It's the Sunday Blitz. Sunday Blitz. Ah, oh, there's so many shows I can't keep the name straight. Right. Uh, Landis and I will be back with comments and reactions from our textures, which will be like, okay, what we didn't talk about this, we didn't talk about that. This is what really matters to this team. Uh, then obviously, as you guys know, we get into the the new week coverage on Tuesday. Ryan Day will speak. Jim Knowles will speak. We'll have uh, snap judgments after that on Tuesdays. And I think you guys are in the rhythm by now with us on uh, the YouTube channel and wherever you listen to podcasts, you find the podcast. Uh, We hope this is not the end of Bill Landis in a mullet. It probably is the end until next year of me in a Mickey Mouse onesie. It's kind of hot. So uh, we appreciate you guys joining us on the post game show. Ohio State moves to 8-0 with a 24-10 to win over Wisconsin for Bill Landis. I'm Doug LaMaurice, and that was the post-game show on the podcast.